0: Another thing I've been discovering lately, that I'm crazy about my rugby league team. G'day and welcome to Not Just the Sports Report. Today we're going to launch into the NRL round 23 preview, getting very close to finals time. This is the time of the season where we have all our fun, unless you're like me, a Warriors fan, and the fun died a long time ago. But Hey, there's still nine teams left in the race for this Premiership. It is heating up big time. A lot of matchups that have a direct correlation with how this ladder is going to end up come the end of the season. Nine teams left, as I said. Those nine teams, well, it starts just outside the top eight. You have the Canberra Raiders sitting in ninth, who are on 24 points, just one win, behind the 8th placed Roosters, who have 26 points. Then you've got 5th, 6th and 7th all on the same competition points, that is 28. They are all 1 win clear of the Roosters, 2 wins clear of the Raiders. We have the Rabbitohs in 5th, Broncos in 6th, Eels in 7th. Then trying to defend their top 4 position, 2 points clear of those aforementioned sides we have the Melbourne Storm on 30 points, and just above them, in second and third, we've got the Cowboys, Sharks on 32 points, and the Penrith Panthers on top, no surprise there, on 38 points. Nine teams remain. Who knows what this ladder is gonna look like come the end of the season, because there are still definitely a few movements to be made. Speaking of the movements, well, this weekend's fixtures are gonna have a big bearing on the changes to the ladder. We have eight games, so let's not waste any time. Let's get amongst it. NRL round 22, Preview. All right, let's jump into it. You may be able to hear a bit of a conversation in the background in the Portuguese language. Uh, That's just my housemates. Uh, I can't tell exactly what they're talking about, But if I had to guess, I think they're talking about tonight's game. The game of the round. They must be saying, who have you got any time try scorer And things like that. So I may have to rack their brain what they are thinking. Because tonight, Thursday night, game of the round from a core stadium, which has also just today been confirmed as our grand final venue. So a lot of fluffing around. Oh, is it going to be in Brisbane? Is it going to be where it almost always has been historically? Uh, Yeah, it's just going to be where it always has been. Cool. Uh, As I said when that story first broke. So watch this space. I'll mention it when there's actually a resolution. Well, we have a resolution. The grand final will be in Sydney. And who knows? Well, last year's grand final featured these two sides. And there is every chance that we may see them meet again come the grand final. Round 23's game of the round. We have the fifth place South Sydney Rabbitohs. Hosting the first-placed Penrith Panthers. For the Rabbitohs, well, I just mentioned the ladder before. They are two points outside of that top four, really putting the heat on as well. They are the best chance out of the sides from fifth to eighth to actually break in to that top four. So this is a massive game for the Bunnies. A win over the Panthers really does put them right in the mix for double-chance top-four finish. Let's not forget as well, a grand final rematch. We saw these two sides go at it in a very close encounter last year with the Panthers, thanks to Stephen Crichton, only just managing to edge out a Wayne Bennett-led Bunny side. Now last up, we saw the Rabbitohs absolutely embarrass the Eels. I was embarrassed for the Eels. Now, Rabbitohs, they've won six of their last seven They are hitting form at absolutely the right time. And now, a lot of people believe they are a real tantalising option when it comes to the Premiership race. As for Penrith, well, a very rare loss. They went down to Melbourne. Of course, we know Panthers missing a few stars. But yeah, that I mean, that they look a bit vulnerable, I'll say that. Although they are at the top of the ladder, they've got some amazing players still to come back. They're vulnerable, and at the sa- right point of I can't even speak English, fucking hell, sorry. They're vulnerable at the worst possible time, basically. Whilst they're kind of just trying to get through to finals, make sure all their guns are there, Well sides like the rabbit hose, the Roosters, they are hitting peak form, even a side like the Sharks. So Panthers don't have much time to get things together, although they do have the luxury being a few points clear of everyone else. So they're still on top of the ladder. By no means is it panic stations, but they're in for a real test tonight up against the South Sydney Rabbitohs in our grand final rematch. Now, talking points. We saw Latrell Mitchell. There was a bit of talk. Maybe he was gonna pull up a bit sore, wouldn't play in this one. Does look like he's playing though. And gee whiz, he has made such a difference to this Raboteau side. Luttrell, not only in career best form, but he just, he looks so fit. He is firing on all cylinders, and everyone around him has given the big lift. I think about someone like Tavita Tertola. I think about someone like Cody Walker, whose game just goes to that next level when he has someone like Luttrell in the side. All of a sudden, instead of everyone looking at Cody Walker, and knowing, like, hey, this is their strike. Well, now they've got Luttrell out the back, and if even for one moment you take your eyes off the prize and you're too focused on Latrell, got a little bit of your eye on Cody Walker, boom, Damian Cook will just zip out of acting half right through the middle. So Luttrell, he has been such a major inclusion to this Raboteau side, and they've looked the best they have all year in recent times. Heading into tonight, it is the biggest game of the Rabbitohs season as they chase a spot in the top four. And for the Panthers, like I mentioned, they are vulnerable, but no doubt they are still the favourites for back-to-back premierships this year. I read a little story, Jason Demetrio, five players in this Rabbitohs squad, I believe four are playing, or three are playing ones in the extended squad, that being Isaac Thompson. But basically, Jason Demetrio, not only was he a Queensland Cup Premiership winner at the Northern Pride, he also picked up a New South Wales Cup Premiership a few years ago. And look, actually, without many people realising, he's kind of brought some of these guys that he had over at the Dragons in reserve grade, guys that weren't able to kind of announce themselves as first graders under that Dragons banner. Well, Jason... He's seen something he likes in quite a few of them. Think of Hame Sele, who's become a real big part of the engine room. He was one of those dragons, uh, or Illawarra Cutters at the time, New South Wales Cup Premiership winners. Saliva Havili as well. Jacob Host, who's injured. Tane Milne, he was also a part of that side. And Isaac Thompson, who actually left rugby league, had given it up and was persuaded by Jason Demetrio and Hame Sele to give it another go. And look, he has been killing it at New South Wales Cup level. He's been able to transition that very nicely in the last couple of weeks in his NRL appearances as well. And it was just an interesting little note. I thought it was quite cool to see that Jason Demetrio, he backs himself. It's not like he's gone and just been like, oh, I'm going to cherry-pick from these sides I've coached before who are the established elite first graders. I really like from Jason Demetrio, he's seen guys at reserve grade level who he backs himself to say, I can get the best out of these guys. And he also backs these guys like Tane Milne and Saliva Havili. He backs them with this faith to say, you know what? Not only do I think I can get them there, but I think they have all the tools to keep themselves as first graders. So I really like that from Jason Demetrio. He's not just focusing on the top of the crop players, but he's working really hard to bring these guys who are a little bit lower down in the ranks and make them essential members of this Rabbitohs team. As for the Panthers, well, at the moment, they are navigating some injuries and suspensions. They should come pretty close to full strength, though, come the final series, and we've heard... Cameron Serraldo, off to the dogs next year. I did speak about that on the NRL Power Hour podcast over the weekend. So look, a few losses for the Panthers. Abi Coraceau, Serraldo, Viliami Kikau. That is going to give them plenty of motivation to finish the season strong and take out back-to-back premierships. Crunch time well and truly upon us. This is the best point of the season unless you're a Warriors, Bulldogs, Knights, Tigers, Titans fan. even then, I am loving it. Absolutely loving it. I don't even have to be nervous, because it's like, okay, Warriors, we're not going to finish last, touch wood. And we're definitely not anywhere near the top eight. So, yeah, for me, it doesn't matter. But honestly, if you support one of these nine sides, get amongst it. This is the peak point of the season. Checking out the team news... Latrell has been named and looks like he's going to play despite a lingering groin issue and a big boost for the back line. Campbell Graham is back. Very timely return as we close in on finals. Lachlan Ilias also returns to the side after being a late scratching. Dean Hawkins drops out but i got to say, very impressed with what Dean Hawkins had to offer last weekend. For the Panthers, Massive inclusion, Dylan Edwards is back, that sees Charlie Staines move to the bench. And Sunia Taruva was originally named on the wing, but now we see in the number 20 jersey, Taylan May named to make his return. So a couple of big ins for the Panthers, and likewise for the Rabbitohs. Now, these sides have already played each other a bit earlier this year, with the Panthers getting the win 26-12. For this game, I've gone the key battle has to be fullback for mine. Now, of course, they're not directly opposing each other, but looking at these sides, I don't think there are any players in these best 17s that have been named, not including Nathan Cleary, who's out, that have a bigger bearing on their side's performance. Key battle, Dylan Edwards, who has been killing it, Potential Deliem medal chance as well. Up against Latrell Mitchell, who you'd have to say, if he had been playing the full season, well, he may very well have taken out the Dele M himself. So we've got two fullbacks in career-best form. Latrell up against Dylan Edwards. That's my key battle. But I'm also going to be keeping an eye on a couple of other contests. Really interested to see the likes of Tevita Totola and Cameron Murray in the middle going head to head with guys like Moses Leota and Isaiah Yo. Another one that definitely piques my interest, Arpi Carsell, Damian Cook, both New South Wales blues players this year and both in the frame for the Kangaroos. Of course for Arpi, if he doesn't make that Kangaroo side, you can expect him to be a massive part of the Fijian World Cup campaign. Really keen to see what both of them can do. I rate Damian Cook better defensively, but in terms of attack and moving the needle around the ruck, well, both of these guys are elite, and I'm keen to see who can gain the ascendancy. All eyes on this weekend, I've gone all eyes on the Trell Mitchell. I think, I mean, how could you not? He is a marquee player. He's becoming a real poster boy of the NRL, one of the guys that neutral fans And even casual fans who may not have a team. This is one of those guys you tune in to watch. And for the younger generation, these young kids only just sinking their teeth into footy. Luttrell, he's one of those guys where you're like, you know what, I actually might want to play rugby league. Or maybe I want to get a membership for my team. Luttrell, plenty of eyes are going to be on him tonight. Let's see what he can come up with. As for my point of difference, I'm going to go for the Panthers and... Look, there is a point of difference here. I believe no Cleary, no Luai, and not to be understated, no James Fisher-Harris. That is a big point of difference that I believe only just swings the pendulum in favor of Souths. As for my prediction, I'm gonna go with the South Sydney Rabbitohs, and it must be said, I don't think since 2020, I don't think I've ever correctly tipped against the Panthers. Any time I have, the Panthers have won. So I feel like I've kind of cursed myself here. And now I am expecting Penrith, most likely, to make me, you know, look like a dickhead. Ah, that's a bit harsh, really. It's a close game. It is the game of the round. But I am going to go with the South Sydney Rabbitohs. I think they are very serious about this premiership push. I've talked in previous episodes about how guys like Cody Walker, Damian Cook... Both late bloomers. Both made debuts in their later 20s. So they don't have all the time in the world to capitalize on this premiership window. It feels like the time is now. I think the Rabbitohs know that. I also think they know that with a very tough run home, their best chance of making the top four is to knock off Penrith tonight. So I'm taking the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Not a ton of confidence. I am yet to correctly pick against the Panthers in the last 3 years, but I'm going to go with the Rabbitohs. I'm loving what Luttrell's doing, I'm loving what guys like Tavita Totola are doing as well, but the more more I talk, the more I'm unsure about my pick, so I'm just going to put it out there into the universe, South Sydney Rabbitohs to get it done tonight over the Panthers. Thursday night action, that'll be game of the round, now let's move on to the Friday fixtures. sink our teeth into the early Friday game. In Townsville, we've got the second-placed North Queensland Cowboys hosting my boys, coming off a fat win, 13th-placed Warriors. Let's go. Now, last up, Cowboys had a highly emotional week, so to critique their performance or the result, it's just... it's not the time. They had a Roosters loss, and things didn't go their way, but I mean... Rugby League last week to these boys, I think it took a back seat. There are bigger things than a game of footy. So an unfortunate loss for the Cowboys, but thankfully for them, they still have plenty of time to get back on the horse, which evidently is what Cowboys love to do. So, I mean, how, how could they not try to get back on that horse? Up against the Warriors, who had their best win of the season, up against the Bulldogs. I was loving that. And also, in some good news, Roger Shoei he's not banned for life. And if he was, that would have been it. I don't know what I would have done. But, like, if you start banning people for shoes, that's it's a whole can of worms. I'm not going to get into it today. But it's ridiculous that he even got kicked out. Who said you can't drink a beer from a shoe? Do I have any lawyers, cops, anyone who knows their laws, show me whatever page page 36 in the book of laws where it says you can't drink from a shoe pretty sure that's legal i don't think even in the stricter countries in the world although some of them they don't even drink beer so that might be frowned upon but like anyway anyway i, I can't be ranting about this but let people drink from shoes fucking hell anyway checking the teen news kyle felt is back for the cowboys that sees hamaso tabuai fado move back to the bench and new new player unlocked, Jermaine Townor Brown, he goes to 18th man. As for the Warriors, same 17. If it ain't broken, don't fix it. Now for the Cowboys, one point of contention has been the origin hangover. Are they struggling to rebound from what is a very physically and emotionally taxing origin period? I've been thinking that for a few weeks, to be honest. I think it's only natural for many of these first-time origin players, coached by Todd Payton who hasn't had to deal with this before, I think it's only natural for them to have points on this run home where they're a little bit flat, a little bit lethargic, and just trying to get whatever extra energy they have. But with final series coming up, you cannot tell me that these boys are not going to get a second wind, a huge burst of energy to go all the way. And I believe that starts here. I do think there was a bit of an origin hangover, but now is the time to shake that. They've got the Cronulla Sharks just below them, both on the same amount of points, and both sides gunning for a home final. Can the Cowboys go all the way? It would truly be one of those fairy tale seasons. I think they can go all the way. I really, really do. But their best chance of doing so is to finish second and have that run in Townsville, if possible, all the way up to the grand final. I think that's the best way for the Cowboys to ensure that they make it to the grand final. But they got they got to earn it. They've got a few challenging games. And as a Warriors fan, this one ain't one of them. But they got a couple of challenging games after this one. So to say this is must win is an understatement for North Queensland. Last time these two sides met, Warriors won. What kind of Twilight Zone world do we live in? It was a Sean Johnson field goal, and it takes me back to that point of the season. Hope, optimism, smiles. Oh my goodness, Sean Johnson, clutch. Fantastic form. And yeah, it was pretty much all downhill from there. Love the boys. Last week was awesome. But yeah, that takes me back. I felt so good last time they met. And now, coming up to this meeting, my hope it's gone. It's gone, unfortunately. Anyway, key battle, that is gonna be right in the middle of the park. For the Cowboys, you've got Jordan McLean, Ruben Cotter, Jason Talmalolo, up against the likes of Torhu Harris, Aden Fanua Blake. I just can't wait to see them rumble in the middle. You add in someone like Bunty Foa off the bench, and I think there are gonna be some serious fireworks. And both teams' middle forwards are going to be integral to their sides getting the victory. Now, Todd Payton, there's also that Warriors link. He was our interim coach. I wish he just was our coach. But he ended up choosing the Cowboys. And it's been a fantastic decision for him. But, of course, there is that link. Todd Payton, a former Warriors coach. And this weekend, all eyes are going to be on the Cowboys' origin representatives. Are they going to be a little bit flat? Or like I said, will they find that second wind? A lot of people gonna be keeping a close eye on the likes of Tom Dearden, Jeremiah Nanai, even to a stretch Chad Townsend, Valentine Holmes, a couple of others as well. So look, I'm really interested to see how these Cowboys hold up in terms of their origin representatives. And in this one, my point of difference is going to be defense especially on the Cowboys' end. That is basically what has got them to this point. Everyone was talking about the Cowboys and how awesome they'd been defensively. And over the last few weeks, that's kind of... It's dipped. It's definitely dipped. So I'm going to be keeping my eyes on the point of difference, that being the defensive game of both sides. And as for my prediction, after all smiles getting to predict the warriors last week for the first time in a long time it's back to regular scheduled programming i'm picking the cowboys i love the warriors i watch every game and i know what these boys are about i pay very close attention and going from what i know or at least what i think i know i i don't think i don't think we win this unfortunately i think cowboys They're second, we're like, what, 13th? And I think that's reflected in the way we are playing. I think our boys are still definitely down from the Nathan Brown era. I think we think that we're not as good as we are, and that confidence is a real issue. I have full faith in Andrew Webster to turn that around, but that's 2023. We are living in 2022. At times, watching the Warriors and their structures... how slow they are at times seems like we're living in 2000 and late so I'm gonna go with the North Queensland Cowboys more than happy to be proven wrong and I will be cheering on the Warriors but it's time to be realistic I got amongst the boys for the first half of the season and I've got nothing to show for it nothing to show for it all it did was take me from first in my tipping competition and it just kept dropping me down and down because I was the only one Picking the Warriors. So, whilst I'll be cheering the boys on, can't go for them in this one. Taking the North Queensland Cowboys over the Warriors as we then lead into our marquee Friday night fixture, which comes to us from Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane. Friday night, we have the sixth-placed Brisbane Broncos hosting the fourth-placed Melbourne Storm. Major top four implications involved here. Broncos literally one win behind the Storm. So if they are to win here, the top four race is blown wide open. If the Broncos lose this, I'm prepared to say top four most likely beyond them. But still, I mean, now they know. They have a clear idea of what they are playing for. They are playing for a spot in the top four. And for the Storm, well, they're trying to hold their spot. Last up, we saw the Broncos get past the Knights thanks to a Selwyn Cobo hat-trick. And for the Storm, they are coming off their biggest win of the season up against Penrith where once again we saw some mad dog monster magic. In this one, Storm will be defending their top four position and look, they'll be confident. If they finish fourth, they'll be facing Panthers week one and they have literally just coming off a win against the Panthers, so... They are looking to hold on to that spot in the top four, whilst the Broncos, they are chasing that spot. We've seen for the Storm, Cameron Munster named at 5'8", but there are all indications he's gonna play fullback again. Nick Meaney should play 5'8". We also see that Jerome Hughes has been named. It's gonna be touch and go. He may get pulled at the last minute, but as it stands, Jerome Hughes set to return. Massive inclusion for the Storm. And last weekend's reserve-grade performer for the Melbourne Storm, you may have heard me talk about him in the NRL Power podcast on the weekend, Young Tonimapaya has been named in the centres, scored a double on the weekend in the Queensland Cup, and he comes in for Marion Seve, who's picked up a bit of an injury. As for the Broncos, they've gone with the same 17, so they have stability, and now they can set themselves for a massive Friday night meeting. Last time they met, Storm got it done 32 to 20, but there were definitely moments where the Broncos had Melbourne rattled. So I think now having that home ground advantage, Brisbane will head into this one confident as we see the two head coaches, Craig Bellamy, one of the great master coaches we have ever seen, up against Kevin Walters, who has turned around this sinking ship The Broncos, at their worst, lowest point, there's a guy called Kevin Walters who, at many different times, put his name in the mix. Hey, I'd love to be the coach. I love this club. We'd love to help out and keep them successful. Broncos were like, nah, 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 we'll go with this guy. We'll go with this guy. Never seemed to want to go Kevin Walters until they had ultimately shit the bed so hard that they were left with no choice. And look what he's been able to do. Kevin Walters, I am so happy to see him in this position. As for my key battle, I've gone the halfbacks, Jerome Hughes on return, up against Adam Reynolds, who, when the Broncos are on, that seems to coincide with when Adam Reynolds is on. Two very different halfbacks in terms of the style of play, but at the same time, these are two of the best halfbacks in the game, and they are gonna have a major say as to how this one goes down. As for who all eyes are going to be on, Cameron Munster at the moment. Freakish form and, look, extra eyes from that Broncos outfit. They're going to have to have eyes in the back of their head to determine exactly where Cameron Munster is. Not that defensively that helps, because, yeah, if you have eyes in the back of your head, you're just going to see your own goal line. So I guess ignore that. But all eyes are going to be on Cameron Munster. No doubt about that. Another battle I'm really keen to see: Tony Stags, Justin Olin directly opposing each other. I, I think that's going to be fireworks as well. And my point of difference for the Broncos, I've gone Payne Haas. He is such a leader in terms of their forward structure, and hopefully for Broncos fans, he sticks around over the next couple of years. Time to make my prediction though, and I'm going to go with the Melbourne Storm. Not super confident here. I can definitely see Broncos picking up the victory, but I just think Storm, they have a lot to play for. They are trying to hold that spot in the top four, and they've been consistent over the years. This year, there has been a dip more so than what we've seen in quite some time. So now more than ever, the Storm are vulnerable to a loss in a game like this, but I'm just gonna go with what I know. And that is the consistency of the Melbourne Storm, the effort areas, and coming off their best defensive display in quite some time last weekend, I'm backing Melbourne to build off that. So, Friday night, taking the Melbourne Storm over the Brisbane Broncos, now let's get amongst the Super Saturday action. off Super Saturday, a clash respectfully? Not very super to me, although for Parramatta fans, most definitely they are still in that Premiership race. Kicking off Super Saturday, we have the 7th placed Eels hosting the 12th placed Bulldogs. Dogs of course coming off the game where they were taken to task by the Warriors, was Parramatta, there's no two ways about it, they were abysmal. 26-0 loss up against the Bunnies. Absolutely thrashed in a game where they should have shown so much more. Checking the team news, massive in for the Eels. Mitchell Moses returns to the side. Whilst for the Bulldogs, we see in the extended reserves, a couple of big names who may come into the side on game day in Tavita Pangai Jr. and Englishman Luke Thompson. The biggest talking point for Parramatta this year has been inconsistency. They can beat the best sides, the Panthers, twice, the Melbourne Storm. And then they just fully shit the bed against your Tigers or the Bulldogs, who they're facing here. And then they'll face a side like the Rabbitohs, where it's like, okay, well, Eels are actually higher on the ladder, so they should be a better team. But, I mean, you'd expect them to be close. Rabbitohs are on the up. Parramatta, they're trying to make the top four. And what do we get? Like, just a load of rubbish. I do feel sorry for Parramatta fans, although they're probably like, I feel sorry for you, you're a Warriors fan. But Parramatta, they should be serving up so much better than what they've done. And it's the inconsistency. They look, some weeks, like, wow, this is a Premiership side right here. And then the next week, it's like, how are these guys even in the eight? Definitely not what you want in terms of competing for the Premiership. And this is the Eels' best chance to win before some key losses like Isaiah Papali'i and of course Reed Marnie who is going to the team they are playing this weekend, the Bulldogs. By no means have the Eels secured their top 8 spot yet and if they are to lose to the Bulldogs here, boy oh boy, things are going to get very interesting. There's a lot of pressure on the coach, Brad Arthur. And to be honest, I think it's unwarranted. I remember where the Eels were at not too long ago. The Ricky Stewart era. The Stephen Kearney era. Things like that. And the Eels were the biggest bed shits in the comp. They were the biggest embarrassments. They were worse than the Tigers are now. Like, you think about the Tigers and the kind of basket case behaviour. The Eels were worse than that. You had board members fighting, like club legends, just ripping the club to pieces. Brad Arthur has got this side to a point where they're supposed to be premiership contenders, and I guess that's where the pressure comes from because they've shown they can beat the best, but how the hell are you going to make a premiership side if you can't even win four weeks in a row, which is what you need to do to win the premiership? I don't think they're going to do it from 7th or 8th. Although, funnily enough, the top four is still a possibility for the Eels, which is what makes this the most critical juncture of their season. And then you look at the Bulldogs, who've just made a massive announcement. Cameron Serraldo going to coach the club for the next five years. And stability at last. What we thought we saw in Trent Barrett, what I thought I saw, It looks like they now finally have that in Cameron Seraldo. And funnily enough, Trent Barrett has actually just been announced as the next Eels assistant coach from 2023. So, look, that's a big step for the Eels. I actually think that's going to be really good for them. With Seraldo, potentially comes someone like a Stephen Crichton as well. That interests me a lot. And you've got to wonder, where does Mick Potter end up in all of this? What a fantastic job he's done to turn this Dogs Club around in the short term. Last time these sides met, that was round 14 this year. Eels. Classic Eels. You want to talk about their season? Dogs 34, Eels 4. And that was the first kind of real Mick Potter magic that we got to see. Definitely wasn't the first Parramatta Eels bed shit that we've seen though. And if they are to lose again, gee whiz. They are going to be beaten from pillar to post. So you just know Parramatta are going to be very fired up. I say that, like, you just know they're going to be fired up. And then as soon as I said that, I'm like, I actually don't. I actually don't. I don't know if they're going to be fired up. I don't know what to expect more than anything. It's really a mixed bag with the eels. One day, you know, you pull out some delicious chocolates, like, oh, a Toblerone. And the next day it's dog shit. And it's like, ah, oh, what? What happened? To the, the Toblerone was promising. I thought there was more of that in the bag, but a lot of dog shit as well. So for the eels, we need more Toblerone. Is that was a shocking analogy, but more of the good stuff and less of the dog shit, to be quite frank. So look, the key battle in this one: Regan Campbell Gillard Junior. Bowler. Fuck. I hope I said that right. I don't think that. I don't think that was right, but. Big Junior and RCG up against the middles of the Bulldogs and Paul Vaughn and Max King, who's been a tremendous signing for the Dogs this year. Key battle right in the middle. I think the big hosses, they're gonna be mixing it up and Eels need to be up for this one. In terms of who all eyes are gonna be on, Brad Arthur, no doubt. Pressure mounting and if they lose here, gee whiz, I mean, News Corp Cycle are gonna be having a field day with BA. So, Brad Arthur, a lot of eyes on him this weekend, a lot of pressure. Let's see if he can get his side up for a response. In terms of my point of difference, I've gone with the Eels' back rowers. 11, 12, and 13, Isaiah Papali'i, Sean Lane, and Ryan Mattison. All elite back rowers, or at least I definitely think Papali'i and Mattison and Sean Lane is playing the best we've ever seen from him. So I think that is a real point of difference, and I'm expecting the Eels, they need to go to their edges a little bit. I know they love to come through the middle, but I would love to see them utilize their edges, given that there are some inexperienced, sorry, rather players on those edges for the dogs. Think of Harrison Edwards. I don't know how young he is in his first grade career, but you could count the amount of NRL games he has on one hand. So if you can target guys like that out on the edge, I'm thinking like a Kyle Flanagan, and you work the ball to the edges, I think that gives an Eels, or gives the Eels English deteriorating, gives them a much better chance of getting the win here. For my prediction, I'm going the Eels, but to be honest, just for a laugh, I will be cheering on the Bulldogs, just because I enjoy the chaos, like I'm, Just one of those sore, sorry losers, who my side's removed from finals. So I just want everyone else to have to come down to our level. And I think it would be really funny. No disrespect to Eels fans, but look, it's not funny if Brad Arthur loses his job and whatnot. I actually really like BA, but it just, it would be funny. I like a bit of chaos and that would be chaos personified if the dogs go 2-0 over the Eels. However, I've put my thinking cap on, and look, I'm sensible. We're here to preview and predict. We're not here for the laughs, so I'm going to go with the Parramatta Eels. Surely, surely they are going to be fired up for this one, and if they're not, they could drop out of the eight. So if that doesn't fire them up, nothing will, and I do think they will be fired up. So taking the Parramatta Eels over the Bulldogs as we then move on to Four Pines Park. The tenth placed Manly Sea Eagles hosting the third place Sharks. A couple of news stories surrounding the Sea Eagles as well this week. Just saw today Ruben Garrick is going to play no further part in the season now that they are out of the finals race. That'll see Tolu Kola move to fullback. And just trying to rack my brain, who's coming out on the wing? Oh, no one's coming out at the Sea Eagles. Forgot about that. Uh, Alfred Smalley, he's coming onto the wing, so good on him, and we also saw in support of Manasi Finu, a few gang signs being thrown up from the Seagulls boys, Um, which look, I'm all for supporting your mates, even if they've done wrong, like, it's good to be behind your mates, and mate, oh shit, again, I'm not even trying to say this on purpose, but Seagulls boys, not about getting behind their mates, that's for sure, Uh, but yeah, like, They've thrown up these little gang signs... ...supporting Manasi Finu... ...who stabbed a Mormon youth leader... ...like quite literally stabbed him... ...so yeah look... ...I won't go too hard on this because... ...look we've seen in the last week... ...mental health is at the forefront of the game... ...and you can't just pick and choose... ...you can't just be like... ...okay let's not be critical then... ...because you know... ...look at the mental toll it takes... ...on some of these players and coaches and then turn around and talk bullshit. So I'm gonna try and say this respectfully, but apparently Rainbow Jersey or being gay, wrong? Stabbing people, all good. Yeah, stabbing people, dope. You can stab people, full support. Uh, But when they decide to make a stand is Rainbow Jersey. No stance being made. In fact, shows of support if you stab someone. So look, never talk to God never had any interaction with any kind of gods. I would hazard to guess that God would be less a fan of stabbing people than being gay, but who knows? That's just, honestly, and I have religious family, I have religious friends, and fully respect religion. This isn't about religion. It's more about the thing with religion that pisses me off, and that's people just picking and choosing which aspects suit them? It's like, no sex before marriage. Oh, I don't want to do that. I'm going to have sex with this chick. But then it's like, love thy neighbor. Oh, not not wearing this rainbow jersey. Only God can judge. Not, anyway, uh, that's a rabbit hole for another time. But classic, just picking and choosing which aspects suit them. Being gay, yep, yeah, let's make a stand. Not wearing that jersey. But yeah, if you stab someone, full support. And apparently they think he's innocent, but like... I mean, it's just a shit look. It is a shit look. And I didn't go hard at them during the Pride fiasco. They weren't consulted. And I'm not trying to open this can of worms again. Uh, it's just a shit, it's a shit look. To be like, not wearing a rainbow jersey. Fair enough. I said I respected that. What I don't respect so much at all is then coming out and showing your support that stabbing people is okay. So, look, it's a point of... And this isn't just about the manly boys. This is a lot of people in general just only practicing Christians when it's convenient for them. And then as soon as it's not, or you know, then they change their tune. So, yeah, that's the basic gist I get from that. Being gay, not on. Stabbing people, dope. Mad. Full support for that. Anyway, let's get to the game, shall we, before I fucking get myself in some trouble. Uh, Last up, Manly conceded 44 points in the Titans' loss. That in itself was remarkable and fully just brought their season to an end. Whilst for the Sharks, they breezed past the Tigers, as we kind of figured they should if they are to take this title hunt seriously. And to their credit, they did. Checking the team news, as I mentioned, Garrick out for the rest of the year. That sees Tolu Kola move to fullback. And of course, Jason Saab picked up a big injury as well. Unfortunate for him. I know he was part of the Manly Seven, but like I am I still like respect these guys as players and shit. And it's really unfortunate to see Jason Saab go down injured. ACL, it's a tough, tough road back. So hopefully he's got the support around him and we see Jason Saab back at full flight Some stage next year that sees Brad Parker and Morgan Harper lining up in the centers and A huge out for the Seagulls. Jake Draboyevich has injured his hand which sees Dylan Walker start in the 13 jersey Also Ethan Bullimore on the bench were rumors that maybe he was going to retire at 22 years old to take up a job in the finance sector that has since been told to be false so He's staying at the Seagulls, and that should see him next year take up some added minutes. So, big opportunity for Ethan Bullimore. And for the Sharks, we see Toby Rudolph out for a month. So, Braden hamlin Ueli shifts into the starting side. And Matt Moylan is back at 5'8", with Connor Tracy in the centres. As for the talking points, well, the Seagulls, their season is over. It's been a huge fail with only one win up against top eight sides all year. So the flat track bully tag, they managed to shake it by beating the Storm, but if you take away that one game, I mean, they've only beaten the crap sides this year. And then, last round, they got absolutely towed up by arguably the crappest side this year. So not good for Manly. They'll, They'll be back better and stronger next year. But it is going to be interesting to see how all of this plays out, given Kieran Foran on his way out. Is Josh Schuster the 5'8 they are after? You'd have to say yes. And he's not fit at the moment. That is clear to see. But again, in saying that, i that's not something I'm huge to comment on as well. Because sometimes guys aren't in the best shape, or girls, for other reasons than not wanting it or not trying hard enough, you know? So, I mean, I'm not a head fucking body sham, you know. Josh Schuster, I think if he does get fit and firing, he's absolutely the guy to play in the halves for the Seagulls. So, we'll have to watch this space. And for the Sharks, their season is not over. In fact, it's time for their Premiership Charge. Very exciting times for Cronulla fans. Last time these two sides met, it was the C for Telekai show. He... Absolutely ran riot over the Sea Eagles. But the point of difference for this one, there is no C for Talakai, which brings the Sea Eagles, almost forgot their name, blimey, right back into the contest. No C for Talakai. That means, I mean, the centers can breathe a little bit easier. Not much, but Talakai, he truly just destroyed them last time out. So they'll be very happy he's not playing. Key battle Daily Cherry Evans up against Nico Hines, Hines right in the mix to take out the Delia medal, whilst Daily Cherry Evans, one of the premier halfbacks of our game, that's going to be a fantastic key battle, and all eyes are going to be on Dez Hasler. Rumblings that his job at the Seagulls may not be safe. I think that's ludicrous. Dez Hasler, for my opinion, or in my opinion, he's the man for the job, no doubt but there are gonna be a lot of eyes on him in this weekend's game, and plenty of eyes on Craig Fitzgibbon as well, as he steers his side toward the final series. As for my prediction, I genuinely believe Manly could be a danger side here, and I'm a little bit wary. Oh gee, there's a bird and a half right there, thanks. Uh, Birds welcome on the podcast. Uh, But whilst I think Manly are a danger side, And I'm probably not going to bet on this one, given that the Sharks' pretty favourable odds, I don't think the odds reflect how close this could potentially be. I'm going to predict the Sharks. Seagulls have kind of fallen by the wayside. They've shown nothing this year up against top eight sides bar that one Melbourne Storm game. And yeah, I'm just not convinced by Manly. So I think they could be a danger side here. But I mean, if you want to talk about convincing... Cronulla Sharks, they've convinced me, I'm a believer, taking the Sharks over the Sea Eagles, as we then move on to the SCG. Saturday night, the eighth-placed Roosters hitting their straps, hosting the very last-placed West Tigers. West's obviously coming off that game where they were easily accounted for up against the Sharks, whilst the Roosters, they outclassed the Cowboys five consecutive wins for the Chooks as they really start to make their push toward September footy. In terms of teams, Roosters have gone the same 17. For West Tigers, Ken Marmalo is back on the sting. That sees Stafford up move into the centers and James Roberts drops out. As far as talking points, well the Roosters, they are peaking at the right time. Their front rowers are standing up big time Been hugely impressed in recent weeks by Waria Hargreaves and Matt Lodge. And even Sam Verrills in that front row as a dummy half, of course. Who, he's really been holding his own. So, the fucking birds getting it all in my head. As for the Tigers, they are right in the mix for the wooden spoon. A loss here, and they stay last. So, look, we will keep our eyes on this wooden spoon battle, although far less exciting than the Premiership battle. The bird is fucking going off its chops. Tell you what other birds are going off their chops, and that is the bird known as the rooster. These birds, well they are taking flight at the exact perfect time of year. The roosters fly, I don't know, but at the moment they are surging through the competition, making their way toward the final series. Key battle in this one, Jared Warria Hargreaves and Matt Lodge up against James Tamo and Zane Musgrove. Those Tigers middlemen, they have to be up for it because we know, judging by the last couple of weeks, Sydney, they're going to be physical and they are going to be rolling straight through the middle. So Tigers, they need to make sure they're up for this one. All eyes are going to be on the Roosters given that a loss could see them fall out of the eight. And a win well, it could see them finish as high as fifth place. Plenty of eyes on the Roosters. There will be some eyes on the Tigers as well, given that wooden spoon calculations, still important. You don't want to finish dead last, but at the same time, like, 15th place, like, is that much better? Anyway, good luck to Tigers fans. Hopefully, for your sake, they don't finish last. Point of difference in this one. I've gone with the Roosters back three. And I genuinely think that is going to be a point of difference. Daniel Supo, Joseph Suwali, and James Tedesco. I'm picking a big game for them. I may even, I'm thinking I'm going to jot down Tedesco, anytime try scorer, and Suwali, anytime try scorer. I think Roosters back three in for a big game, and I think Roosters in general in for a big game. Taking the Sydney Roosters over the West Tigers, I just, there's nothing that tells me. We're going to see an upset here, although I would love to see it. Good luck to the Tigers. Taking the Roosters, though, as we now move in to the final two games of the round, let's now launch in to the Sunday action. Sunday, bloody Sunday, by you two. Everyone's favourite band that forces their albums onto your phone or iTunes. Rolling with shit from like five years ago. But I tell you, let's get on to this weekend. Sunday in Wollongong, the 11th place Dragons hosting the 15th place Titans. Now this is the one game of the round that has no bearing on the finals mix. So, little bit of a dud. There are spoon implications though. Gold Coast Titans... They are trying to stay off the bottom of the ladder whilst the Dragons, they're they're trying to finish the season strong in a season where ultimately I've seen plenty of positives as well as a few negatives. Dragons coming off that two point loss up against the Raiders whilst the Titans had their first win since May 14, ending a 10 game slide. Now you want to know who the last win for the Gold Coast were? before that manly one on the weekend? Well, that win on the May 14, against none other than the Dragons. May the 14th be with you, St. George. So, very interesting. Titans, one of their very few wins this season, coming against the Dragons, and you've gotta think, had the Dragons picked up a win in that one, maybe they would've been much better positioned to actually have a crack at making the finals. Looking at the teams, Dragons rolling with the same 17, whilst for the Titans, Tino is back, so quite literally a very large inclusion, and Tana Boyd retained in the halves, which I like that. He's got a good combination with David Fafita, both Kiebra Park boys, and Tana Boyd had been spoken about as one of those next generation awesome talents quite a few years ago. He was one of the ones coming up that they thought was going to be real special. So I'd like to see them stick with him here, give him a chance to actually show what he can do. Checking the talking points, well Titans, they are trying to avoid the Spoon. And for both sides realistically, their sights are set on next year. Key battle, I've got the halves. For Dragons, Tullatau Amon coming off those three tries. And Ben Hunt, a real chance you could even say potentially the favourite to win the Delia medal this year, up against Tana Boyd and, of course, A.J. Brimson in that 5'8 jersey. At least last I checked, I'm pretty sure they've got A.J. Brimson at 5'8", Jaden Campbell at fullback. Now, all eyes are going to be on both coaches. Anthony Griffin, at times, has been under major pressure. Same for Justin Holbrook. So, all eyes on the coaches this weekend. Point of difference, David Fafita. Really happy with him having a great game last weekend. Hoping he can build on that. But I'm going to go the Dragons here. Titans, I just can't trust them now. Not until next year, we'll watch that space. But I've seen enough from the Gold Coast this year. And I've actually seen plenty from the Dragons that I like. So this one screams danger game. But I'm going to take the Dragons over the Titans in the one game that has no bearing on the finals mix. A game though that has plenty of bearing in terms of the finals mix, well, that's the last game of the round in Newcastle as the 14th place Knights host the ninth placed Raiders. The one side, fuck this chair sucks, so I'm sure you can hear it squeaking in the background. Uh, note to self, buy a new chair. Sorry if you've heard that the whole time. Uh, if you haven't, well, now you have. But ninth place Raiders travelling to Newcastle, very important game. It's win or go home, Raiders lose here, and that is season over. Funnily enough, though, the bigger talking points have been with the Newcastle Knights. There's been Callum Ponga, Kurt Mann. I talked about that on the Power podcast, uh, Busted coming out of a cubicle. And you know what? I'll tell you who I have the issue with. The flogs who film, the guys who get their phone out and decide to post it on social media. You guys are the real... You know what? I honestly almost never roll with the C word on this podcast. Uh, But these flops who film, shunts. I'll say shunts. We'll go with shunts. Uh, But that's what they are. If you decide to film, yeah, maybe they're doing the wrong thing. But I tell you what, the only difference really between the players of days past and now, is that you've got idiots who film the current players and post it. If you think the players of the 90s and 80s were angels, like, get with reality. So honestly, as far as the Ponga and Man thing, it may be, like, I don't know, controversial, but I don't care. I really don't care. Even if they were doing coke, look, shocking look. Ponga, he has concussion issues. He shouldn't be doing that. And we don't even know whether he has. They've been drug tested. We're not going to get to see the results. So, yeah, the speculative stuff, it's all like, oh, well, if they were doing it, then what next? We don't know if they were. So why, you know, make such a big deal over something we don't even know? And then even if they were doing coke, I honestly don't care. There's so many bigger things and bigger issues we could be talking about than this. So, look, I say play on, and I'm, sh- if, I'm sure they'll get in some kind of trouble for it. It's been a major talking point, but if I have an issue with anyone, it's just the dickhead who films, because this stuff would be going on all the time. You'd be shocked that definitely players in your team go into the cubicle. Snort lines. So, like, yeah, it's not the best look, and there are plenty of reasons as to why they shouldn't be. I'm not condoning the behavior, I'm just saying that I really don't care. In the bigger picture, there are a way bigger fish to fry. And honestly, if you want to talk a bigger fish to fry, I think the culture of filming people, that's a bigger fish to fry. I think filming in situations like this, any kind of public personalities, filming them when they're doing the wrong thing, yeah, they shouldn't be doing the wrong thing, but it's just lame. And even, this isn't really rugby league related, but when you see someone totally fucked up, and people film them, and they post it on social media for clout. That's lame. That's honestly so lame. And yeah, it's that's one part of social media that just shits me. And so, yeah, Callan Ponga, Kurt Mann, came out of a cubicle. I, I really don't care. I think on the grand scale, it's, it's a real non-issue. To the Knights, they're paying him heaps of money. I'm sure it is an issue. And the one sticking point that did make it really shitty is that presumably the Knights were playing. So he should be watching his side in action. He is the captain. And I can understand plenty of the talk surrounding that and why people are outraged. But it's like, we don't even know. We're going off like a five second video. We don't have the drug test results in front of us. Maybe he was sick. Who knows, we don't know. And for us to speculate, like, yeah, it's a bad look, but yeah, basically to sum it up, in the bigger picture, it's it's not that big of a deal. So, moving on, Bradman Best, Nari Tuala, also getting themselves in trouble, six minutes late to the team bus, which I guess is a no-no, like, if you've got standards, stick by them, six minutes late to the bus, Four minutes late, two minutes late. Uh, It just seems like they're trying to enforce some kind of standards. So, look, we'll see how all of this plays out. Maybe the Ponga and Man thing is a bigger deal than I'm making it out to be. Maybe they are totally in the wrong. But I don't know. I wasn't there. I have four seconds of evidence from some dickhead who decided to film. And I'd rather not base my judgments off that. So... Moving on to the Knights' last game, a loss in Brisbane. No Callum Ponga, he wasn't even watching, uh, but we don't know what he was doing. So, ugh, watch the space, except we're not even gonna get results. But last up, Knights' lost to Brisbane, whilst the Raiders, they edged out the Dragons. Win or go home from here, Raiders have to win every single contest to make sure they can get themselves into the finals race. As far as team changes, Ricky Stewart back on deck after some very emotionally charged comments towards Jamin Salmon. And honestly, a lot of the emotion toward like a 12-year-old Jamin Salmon. Um, But yeah, I don't know. That one, that one was interesting as well, but that was last week and we shan't dwell on it. It's one thing we don't like to do here at Not Just a Sports Report is dwell too hard on things. We just... We move forward, and then if things come up, they'll watch this space. If something else comes up, we shall return to it, but we shall never dwell. So Ricky's back, he's served his punishment, and joining Ricky back on deck, Joseph Tarpanay, he's back in the side, and as is Nick Cottridge. For the Knights, Bradman Best and Inari Tawala will be playing New South Wales Cup, and Edric Lee returns to the side. We're also going to see the debut of a very pacey and electric young centre, Christian Mapapalangi, who is going to be debuting in the centres, really keen to see what he can do here. But as far as this contest, Raiders are my second team. There is a bit of bias in this pick because I can see Newcastle very fired up after the week that was. But I'm taking the Raiders in this one, all eyes on Ricky Stewart. I think Joseph Tarpanet is a massive inclusion and I'm going to whack a little cheeky bet on Matt Tomoko, any time scorer. So, going to have a little play with that. But I'm taking the Raiders. They have so much to play for. And I would rather us have nine teams, have a bit of mystery, and have some of those sides in the lower part of the eight sweating, thinking maybe they could drop out. So, I want to see the season continue to have an exciting finish. I'm going to take the Raiders over the Newcastle Knights. Last game of the round. And with that being said, those were all eight games. It's been the NRL round 23 preview. And yeah, that's basically it. Also, this weekend I'm going to be away in Canberra. So there will be no NRL Power Hour podcast. I'm thinking about how I can implement that as into Instagram content. So graphics rather than a podcast this weekend. So if you do want to keep up with my thoughts on round 23, best way to do so is to follow us over on Instagram at NotJustTheSportsReport. And I'll be back in town very early next week. So you can expect the round 24 preview to drop. All things resuming as per usual. Just going to miss the NRL Power this weekend. So there will be no NRL Power Hour podcast, but there will be some Instagram content to cover all things power. And of course, the NRLW season kicks off this weekend. So I'm gonna be covering that in a few different varieties of content over on the Instagram. So plenty to keep up to date with and a lot of fun games to sit down and watch this weekend. But that is it from me tonight. The footy is not too far away, so let's get excited. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, take care and enjoy the footy this weekend.